Hello and welcome to the MIT Press Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Gondek. And today I'm speaking with Padma Desai about her new book, Breaking Out, An Indian Woman's American Journey. Padma Desai is Gladys and Roland Harriman Professor of Comparative Economic Systems and Director for the Center of Transition Economies at Columbia University. Padma Desai, thanks for taking time to talk to the MIT Press Podcast today. Pleasure is mine. Breaking Out is a memoir of your life, from your youth in India to adulthood in the United States. Your description of your youth initially struck me as a story of a very different time. So could you describe what life was like for you as a girl? Um, I think I really had a very sheltered, protective upbringing in India. My father uh, had a BA degree from Cambridge, England in English literature. He taught Shakespeare and uh, the English romantic poets in the college, but he was... uh, uh, quite conservative in um, the sense that we three girls should be um, brought up in a very protective environment. Um, of course, we should get our education. So if a calamity befell us, we could uh, you know, live on our own. But uh, that was it. Um, and uh, I was trying to reach out for the stars and wanted to go to Harvard before I could spell Harvard and, um, you know, really go to America. And um, his was a very uh, limited uh, agenda for uh, for me. Uh, at the same time, he was a social reformer. He uh, campaigned against bride burning and dowry payment from the bride's family to the bridegroom's family, which was prevalent in my subcast. So he was a reformer, but as a father, he was extremely protective and uh, wanted a limited agenda for me. Uh, Mother was, of course, uh, bright, very strong-willed, formidable imagination, but she had a bipolar uh, mood problem, which I understood long after I had left home. Uh, and she knew no English, whereas father taught Shakespeare in the college. But she was very bright, and he really loved her and looked after her. But um, mother's um, uh, neurotic uh, problem uh, did create a certain sort of uh, deprivation in me that, uh, you know, I thought, did mother ever hug me, hold me? Um, uh, I didn't feel that way. Uh, about her. So the um, uh, upbringing was sort of one step forward, two steps backward, as it were. But uh, I had a lot of uh, nourishment from my two um, siblings, my little sister and my brother, a little older than me. And we played cricket uh, with a tennis ball, (laughs) which bounced a lot. And we uh, flew kites. uh, in uh, from the terrace, and so we had uh, quite a bit of uh, fun that way. Your father was devoted almost to the point of selflessness to education. Yes, he was, and he um, developed um, the curriculum in the college where he taught for almost uh, four decades. Uh, he um, also took active interest in developing the school system in the provincial town in which I grew up. He established a couple of colleges in uh, small cities uh, uh, in Gujarat state. 
office. So he was, uh, you know, and he campaigned for the abolition of dowry, for the spread of education for girls. Um, so he was um, he was very forward looking, but at the same time he was totally lacking in ambition. Uh, you know, with a Cambridge University degree in those days, 1925, 1927, he could have advanced uh, so much in India of those days. But he didn't. He just wanted to remain in the provincial town. Uh, develop the college, teach students, and uh, look after the family. You must have been of two minds regarding your academic record. On the one hand, very proud of your accomplishments. On the other, wary of what could become of you as you continued your education. Oh, yes, he was. He was uh, worried about me. Uh, You know, I mentioned uh, a a brilliant achievement uh, in my high school days when I uh, sort of got a second rank among 48,000 candidates from the entire state of Bombay in my matriculation examination. And father, uh, he remarked, you are wearing a crown of thorns. <laughs> and it, to me, it didn't seem like a put-down comment. But I think he was very protective about me, and he felt that this achievement is going to sort of make me um, strive for more and more, uh, which I did in my BA examination. I topped the list of candidates of the university in economics, and then finally um, I got uh, the fellowship to go to America. Uh, in 1955, and I ended up at Harvard. So, uh, but by that time, uh, I had a uh, disastrous first marriage. So, um, it was not in my father's charge to let me go <laughs> to America because I was a married woman. So, I could uh, uh, leave India and discover America. We've talked about your parents, but you dedicated the book to a woman named Kaki and devoted an entire chapter to her. Who was Kaki, and what was her influence on you? Oh, Kaki was uh, God's angel in my life. Kaki was uh, my father's brother's widow. Uh, So she was my aunt, paternal aunt, as it were. And she became, I think, a widow when she was probably in her middle teens. Uh, And uh, when father came back from England in 1927, uh, she must have been in her mid-twenties, and he brought her from the village uh, to stay with us. And Taki was uh, the one who provided us with the nurturing, uh, with the spoiling. She used to make hot snacks for us. Uh, she made sure that we uh, got our lunch on time before we rushed out to uh, school. And... Um, but uh, uh, she also um, had, uh, uh, you know, certain rules to follow. I mean, she was a widow, and her head was shaved. And as a child, I grew up uh, watching the barber come and shave her head uh, every now and then. And uh, uh, in those days, probably I uh, looked at it but didn't worry about it. But now, and living in America, and I sort of thought, uh, what a horrible thing. But um, I also sort of uh, felt that Kaki herself wanted that. Uh, 
and follow certain strict rules. Uh, so it was the culture and the norms of the culture uh, to which uh, she had to submit and the family, my parents also had to submit. But she was the nurturer. She was the one um, who gave me um, the precious gift of forming close ties with my friends, with my family, of deepening those ties. And, uh, you know, if I have problems with my friends, I must repair my ties generously. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I really learned to manage uh, my personal relations uh, around me by really adopting her very general, gentle negotiating manner uh, and um, I really uh, missed her uh, and uh, I was so happy that I dedicated the book to her memory. You mentioned Harvard in an earlier answer. You must have been quite an exotic presence in Harvard Square during your graduate studies in the 50s and Cambridge must have seemed like another planet to you. What were some of the most memorable moments of culture shock from back then? Oh gosh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it was uh, sort of a process of discovery, which was uh, amazing. It was sort of exhilarating, uh, energizing, liberating. Those four years at Harvard from 1955 to 59, I discovered nature, which was so different, uh, the trees. Uh, I grew up with mango, mango and guava and coconut trees, and here were you know, alder and aspen and poplar and birch and I just, uh, and then the fall, uh, the burst of fall colors in that collective glory, I just would step aside and, and look at uh, the fall leaves. And uh, then, of course, discovering um, the sense of humor of my American classmates, uh, uh, you know, we had these three uh, GI uh, guys from the military who were uh, in the political science economics department, and they would sit around me in Litauer Library, and then they would start talking with me, uh, chit-chat about this and that, and finally one of them would say, what are you doing here? You should be in Hollywood. I mean, <laughs> that would have been a very... Uh, very improper comment in these days, but uh, uh, 55 years ago, who who sort of uh, worried? And, you know, I was as fascinated by them as they were by me because I had not seen blonde-haired, uh, uh, blue-eyed men in my life. <laughs> so you can imagine that the attraction was sort of uh, uh, mutual. And then the children in... Uh, Cambridge Commons, they had never seen a sari-clad woman with a red dot on her forehead, so they would run after me, uh, calling me gypsy woman, gypsy woman, and then I stopped and I said, can I ride your bicycle? And they were so amazed um, that a woman wearing a sari could uh, uh, ride a bicycle, and then I remember those truck drivers, uh, shouting at me, lady, your slip is showing. What did that mean in those days? I mean, did that mean that my sari didn't go down uh, long enough to touch the bottom so that my slip was showing? Um, it was just, um, just uh, discovery after discovery. But 
I did well. I scored uh, quite a few A grades through my career. Uh, con- uh, continued getting fellowships. Uh, became a teaching fellow, and um, uh, the photographers descended and said, uh, "I think it was the United States Information Agency." Uh, which sent photographers to take my picture, um, teaching uh, four Harvard College uh, students of the class of 1960. And I tracked down three of them, and I am in touch with them after 55 years. So finally, when people read the book, they will learn all about the struggle with your first marriage, and then you eventually return to the U.S. You ended up with a loving husband, the economist Jagdish Bhagwati, an accomplished and very adventurous daughter, Anurada, and a successful career. So I guess I should ask, are you satisfied with how everything turned out? Absolutely. Totally. Uh, personally and professionally, uh, very fulfilled. Uh, uh, Jagdish and I, Jagdish, I met him for the first time in 1956 uh, when I was... Um, at Harvard, and he was a graduate student at MIT for a year, and he was just visiting the International Students Association, and I was serving chicken curry, and uh, uh, I was also beautiful, so he instantly fell in love with me. Uh, So (laughs) um, we go a long way back, a very close uh, uh, relationship, uh, we are both uh, extremely engaged in our scholarly pursuits, but having written a joint book with him uh, on India, Planning for Industrialization, which was published in 1968 uh, and uh, which became a bestseller, uh, we argued for market reforms and against uh, Nehru's socialist policies. So. Uh, it was quite an achievement, but I didn't want to be a subsidiary author um, under his uh, uh, brilliant uh, leadership. So I chose to get into the Soviet field in 1968. We came back to America. I was at the Harvard Russian Research Center, a wonderful group of scholars at Harvard. uh, And I published... um, several articles, several books. Um, Then Mikhail Gorbachev happened in 1985 in the Soviet Union, and my life went into a a very exciting orbit. Uh, I was much in demand, TV, the news media, because I was one of the few scholars who studied uh, uh, the Soviet economy. And then, of course, uh, Boris Yeltsin, and now Vladimir Putin. So... um, Professionally, it has been a very fulfilling, rewarding uh, life. And personally, of course, uh, my husband and my daughter have uh, given me um, total bliss. Padma Desai, the author of Breaking Out, an Indian Woman's American Journey. Thanks for being on the MIT Press podcast today. Thank you very much, Chris. For more information about this and other titles, please visit our website at mitpress.mit.edu. Don't forget, you can find the MIT Press on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash MIT Press. And you can also follow us on Twitter, where we are at MIT Press. Thanks for listening to this episode of the MIT Press podcast. Copyright 2013, the MIT Press. All rights reserved.